This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. And happy Wednesday and welcome into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by the one and only Chris Carter. Although I will say one and only Chris Carter because there is a new Carter in town. Chris, I'm not sure how you're feeling about that. I don't know if there might be some uh, infringement on your territory there. <laughs> Uh, the Penguins uh, at the trade deadline bringing in Jeff Carter from the Los Angeles Kings, a veteran presence in the locker room. Um, what do you think his impact with this team is going to be, especially right now, considering they have some guys that are pretty injured, especially when it comes to their forward group? They do. One thing that I think that it's funny that you bring Jeff Carter in right now, because one thing I always hear fans yelling when they're watching the Penguins play is shoot the puck. And that's something that Jeff Carter will do. And, and again, it's a veteran presence on a team. And it's clear with the way, and Jenna, you and I have talked about this, with the way that the Penguins have played all through March, it's clear this team can be a contender. And yes, Jeff Carter's old. He's in his mid-30s. You know, he's on the back end of his career. He's not even, he's not what he used to be. But he's still a veteran presence that can come to your team help you manage the injury situation that you're in right now and maybe help generate some more offense for you. And that that's worth the shot with this, with this team and this nucleus that I said, even before this, this season started, I know a lot of people wanted to count the penguins out. They, as long as that group is together, they can build around them. And Jeff Carter is another one of those pieces that you can throw on the team because of the players they still have on the roster. And it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what Carter said when we talked to him and his availability with the Penguins for the first time on Tuesday. He said, you know, you look at this Penguins team and the core that they have with Sid, with Evgeny Malkin, with Chris Letang, with some of their other complimentary players. He goes, you can never count this team out. And that from coming from a guy not only as well versed in the NHL as Jeff Carter is, but just seeing the impact, I mean, Obviously, people in Pittsburgh know that, of course, this core of this team is so incredibly talented. But seeing that other teams look at the Penguins this way and say, you know, yeah, you can never count them out. Sure, up and down years, but they're always a team that one is usually going to make the playoffs considering the streak that they've been on. But two can contend for a cup. And I know people here kind of look at it. OK, in the last couple of years, things haven't been as solid when it comes to the playoffs for this Penguins team. You do mention, though, the fact that he can shoot the puck. That was something he mentioned we heard from him as well, too, which I just kind of loved. You know, someone asked him, how would you describe your game? How has it kind of changed in the last couple of years? Noting that, yes, of course, there's a little bit of a drop-off. He is a little bit up there in age. I don't want to say old in that sense, but a veteran. <laughs> Uh, in the league, but you know, he said, my game is simple. I keep it simple. I, you know, I'm quick and I like to shoot the puck. And I think Penguins fans love hearing that because like you mentioned, you hear it all the time. And I think that's something that also head coach Mike Sullivan really is going to like as well. And see, that's the thing about Mike Sullivan. I'm glad you said that right there, because one thing that Mike Sullivan has done over the years, over his years with the Penguins is find amazing line, line combinations and building the chemistry on the team that's helped them win two Stanley Cups while he's been here. I mean, the HBK line, like the guys, the things that he's done to sort of to get that chemistry going. Now you wonder, how does Jeff Carter figure in on things? We see Jake Gensel score, scoring all the time. We see, we see, you know, Crosby, they're hoping that Malkin can get back to 100% healthy, you know, and, you know, you've you got guys that you're not sure if you'll get them back into the playoffs. But now this is another piece that he can say, all right, got a couple weeks here. Let's play around with this. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for the playoffs. Because to me, Jenna, it does seem like the Penguins 
they're pretty much they are a playoff team. I know that there's still disaster could strike and things could fall apart and craziness could happen. But barring that, they're a playoff team and adding a veteran presence to the locker room. Jeff Carter, you don't got to worry about his work ethic. You don't got to worry about him showing up. You don't got to worry about him you know, needing to fit in with people or people needing to pat him on the back. You know he's coming in. He's ready to work. And that's what's going to be crucial for this Penguins team down the road can they get keep it together long enough in april so that when they're getting the playoffs going they're ready to rock and they're and they're not getting bounced from the first round like they did last year and we saw um in the first practice that the penguins have had uh, today on wednesday with jeff carter he was centering that second line mm. with jared mccann and jason zucker but we also heard from Ron Hextall, general manager Ron Hextall, and from Mike Sullivan, just about the versatility. And even we heard Carter talk about his versatility too, but he is a guy that you can play both at center and on the wing, which is going to be really, really interesting, especially when some of these guys who have been injured slowly work their way back into the lineup. You know, we hear Kasperi Kapanen, Ron Hextall told us on Monday, he anticipates Kapanen being a little bit closer, at least than some of the other guys. I believe he said it was 10 to 14 days out in that sense, or at least that was what he thought. So getting guys like that back and then Mike Sullivan having to, you know, adjust these line combinations a little bit, it kind of seems like almost perfect timing isn't entirely the right word, but it does seem like the timing works really well to get Carter into the mix to kind of let him figure, you know, figure things out to have Mike Sullivan see, you know, hey, we like him best in this slot, you know, slotted mm -hmm. in the center on the second line, you know, eventually they do anticipate, obviously, when Evgeny Malkin does come back healthy. I mean, you look at that, I, you know, watching a, a bunch of uh, national analysts break down the trade deadline, especially for the Penguins, you know, when this team is healthy, the fact that their top three centers are going yes. to be Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jeff Carter, that's pretty intense. That's really, really, really talented. And then when you have your fourth line potentially able to be centered by Teddy Bluger and have the Bluger Tanev, mm -hmm. uh, like that's just going to be, and Zach Asnerisa, I and mean, having that line together is just going to be really impressive. But I think also something really interesting to note is that you look at the top four teams in the East Division between mm -hmm. Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, and the Bruins, and all four of those teams made pretty big trade deadline acquisitions to put themselves in hopefully a position to contend. I know that it seems like there's a little bit of a gap. I mean, it feels like you have Washington, the Islanders, right. kind of that big chunk, and the Bruins seem to be chasing a little bit. But it is really going to be fascinating to see how this end of the season kind of, you know, comes full speed ahead here and how these new guys fit in with their teams. Indeed, I agree. And also how Jeff Carter might fit into the team's power play. We know that how that can, that can work out with how he shoots. Yeah, we heard Mike Sullivan talk about how they do anticipate using him both on the power play and the penalty kill. Well, we're wrapping up hockey talk, but we have a whole lot of football talk coming your way. Be sure to stick with us right here on This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by the one and only Chris Carter. Chris, let's move on to football. I know that a lot of people are anticipating a lot of things, especially with the offseason starting to ramp up and the draft a couple weeks away. But 
Big Steelers news actually just a little while ago, Wednesday afternoon, was the fact that the Steelers are reportedly re-signing Vince Williams, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, I believe. I'm going to double check that tweet because we cite our sources correctly. Yep, (laughs) Jeremy Fowler from ESPN tweeted the Steelers are re-signing linebacker Vince Williams per sources. He had other offers but wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. I mean, first, this is pretty big. I know a lot of Steelers fans initially when Vince Williams, when they cut him, they were like, hmm kind of a little bit nerve-wracking so uh what, what's your initial thoughts just on how big of a deal this is to get Vince Williams back well one thing to remember is that Vince Williams is a leader on the Steelers team I talked to Robert Spillane a few weeks back and he was like the biggest thing we're going to miss is Vince's energy because as a leader he's been on the team he's been the guy that gets everyone riles up and says all the things that get people excited five-star matchup because we in it and things like that when you look at what Vince Williams has done Remember, he was a six-round draft pick way back in 2013. He stepped into a starting role because they were decimated to injuries, then was relegated to a backup when they drafted Ryan Shazier, only to eventually become his, his, his part, partner in crime when they started next to each other in 2017. And now he's still here in, in 2020. He was still here last year in 2020, and now will be here in 2021 working with Devin Bush. He's worked with first-round linebackers like Timmons, Shazier, and Bush, and he's found a way to cement himself with the team. Now, they needed to, to, to move him off the roster because they needed the $4 million in cap space that would be freed up by, by his release. That was made, made clear. Kevin Colbert and the Steelers were dealing with the pandemic. Remember, the, 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 the salary cap went from like $198 million to $182 million in just, in just, one, in just, in just one year. That's, that's unprecedented. And it's, it's forced all NFL teams to make tough choices and to lose players that, that, they, that they enjoy. But Vince Williams being of value probably explored the, the free agency market, didn't see too many big offers because that's the other thing. Everyone else is dealing with the same problems the Steelers are. So now he's looking like, you know what? I know a system that I fit in. I know someone that will want to use me. Why not play with the Steelers and my guys who, who respect me and, and, and enjoy me? And now he joins a linebacker room that could change the Steelers' outlook on how they build this defense because Jenna – you know, when we were going to this season right now, I've been analyzing linebackers and guys from LSU and guys from Virginia and Ohio State and all these guys that they could draft in on, on day one or two in the NFL draft. Now you're talking like mm, that might fall back even more because now you have Devin Bush, Vince Williams, and Robert Spillane as your top three options again. And if one of them goes down, you, you hope that doesn't happen again this year. Maybe you draft a guy in the later rounds, but now the early rounds, that might get impacted by Vince Williams' return. Yeah, it does kind of shift almost what seems like, I don't want to say immediate need, but definitely a little bit of a pressing need in that sense. And now you have Vince coming back in that fashion. And like you mentioned, just the leadership that he brings to that locker room, the veteran presence, obviously he's been there, done that type of thing. And also the Steelers know exactly the type of player he is. And just, I'll never forget, he was the first game he returned back and played after he got over COVID and was officially taken off the list, he took, didn't he, wasn't he on the field for every single snap in that game? Yep. Yep. That was him. Just incredibly impressive in what he does. So this is definitely a big boost, but I think this kind of furthers a little bit of a question in the sense that how have the Steelers really done during free agency? It's been an interesting discussion along those lines, but again, I think this is a big thing where if you would ask somebody this question, if I asked this to you a little earlier, you might've been like, well, but I think with Vince coming back too, I think this changes a little bit of how you answer that. 
But see, that's the thing, Jenna. This is what I said. This is what Dale Lawley said for, for our, my colleague at DKPittsburghSports.com. People were freaking out at the start of free agency because the Steelers didn't go get Patrick Mahomes or some something crazy. The puzzle was you, – do you look at the puzzle when you take it out the box and say, oh, my goodness, this is a mess. You'll never finish this puzzle. No, you say, all right, this may be 2,000 pieces, but we're putting it together, and it may take a couple hours, but we're going to get it done. And that's what the Steelers were setting out to do. They were taking their time like Kevin Colbert always does in free agency. He never makes big splashes. And now they cleared out the cap room. They got more than enough space to sign their draft picks. And now they're bringing back people. And then even during free agency, when they re-signed uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and then Steven Nelson got let go, people were saying, oh, you, gave, you signed Juju Smith-Schuster to get rid of Steven Nelson and Vince Williams and all the other guys. And it turns out none of that's true because now Tyson Alulu and Vince Williams are back. Two of the pieces that everyone was saying, oh, they lost these guys. There's no way the defense can play like they did last year. All of that, I think, has been disproven by how the Steelers have operated in free agency. And I also think it shows this team, what this defense wasn't as disjointed as people might have made, made it out to be when they said, oh, well, Tyson Alulu, he's going to the Jaguars. Mike Hilton, he's going to the Bengals. Vince Williams, he's gone. This is going to be a completely different defense. I still maintain... It, it wasn't going to be, but now with Vince Williams back, I think you further, because remember, him and Cam Hayward, they're the elder statesmen of the defense. That, you know, Hay- Hayward's been here since 2011, Williams since 2013. They're the guys that have that that you know saw the, 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 the torches that were passed to this group and have said, okay, we got to get the Steelers back to play Steelers type of defense, and now they're here. So, yeah, Jenna, to me, this is the Steelers are doing what I expected them to do in free agency. They're making the smart moves, the patient moves to say, Hey, let's keep replenishing our depth chart. Let's make something. And, you know, with Vince Williams back again, you have a position, a person who's going to be familiar. You're not guessing and saying, Oh, you know, like a John Bostic and saying, maybe he works out for us. And now, you know, he's back. Now here's my other question is, what other Steelers might still be there? Because you still got players like Alejandro Villanueva who are still on the market. Heck, Steven Nelson, he says he has 11 teams that have called him. But, you know, you know, what's his situation like? And, you know, Avery Williamson, I think that he's out of the mix because he posted on Instagram that something was coming. But I do think the Steelers, there's still other guys, even non-Steelers from last year, who could be added to this roster, before, uh, you know, after, I'd say after the NFL draft. Lots. Speaking of the NFL draft, this thing took the words right out of my mouth. We're talking a little bit more about that. Stick with us on Halftime Adjustments. This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Once again, I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Chris Carter. And Chris, we just talked about how the Steelers have really kind of handled free agency up to this point. Now we're looking ahead. The NFL draft right around the corner. It doesn't feel real in that sense. I feel like this year has already gotten by so quickly. We are uh, deep diving into 2021 already, but the draft right around the corner. I know a lot of people, especially Steelers fans, have their eyes on potentially a running back, especially now we are kind of waiting for that shoe to drop with James Conner going to Arizona the other day. Is it a priority? And do you think, double parter here, that the Steelers are going to go for one of the top running backs in this draft with their first round pick. Jenna, it doesn't matter what I think. It just matters what the Steelers have on their roster right now. And they don't have a starter in, in their, on their depth chart. Benny Snell had a chance this year to kind of show that when James Conner got hurt, didn't work out. Kalen Balaj 
I, I, you know, he's a decent signing that's going to be interesting for training camp, but not a guy you project as a starter. Neither are Jalen Samuels or Anthony McFarland. When you look across the board at the Steelers roster, the two positions that scream out the loudest to me, especially with the signing of Vince Williams uh, you know, on, on today, are center and running back. Now, center is, a, is an interesting prospect because I see a lot of those centers that would be starter capable you know, either to start this season or by middle of this season, those guys can be gotten in the second round. The position that I, I think is most pertinent for the Steelers to get is the running back position. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, draft a running back in the first round. Well, I'll have you know that through the years that the Steelers have won the Super Bowls, they've needed first and second round running backs to kind of carry the load. Franco Harris of the 70s, Jerome Bettis when he got him to the Super Bowl in the 90s. And then again, when he was kind of the mentor for to help Willie Parker become become that guy in the in the 2000s. Um, and then, of course, you got Le'Veon Bell was a second round pick. Run, running back is still an important position. And I think even more important for how the Steelers are built right now, Jenna. Whether, you know, it's Ben Roethlisberger ending his career this after this season or a new quarterback starting next season, having a, a playmaker running back in the backfield takes pressure off of the passing game and lets your quarterback kind of just say, hey, I'm going to hand it to this stud behind me who's going to go get four or five yards, keep our, bal- our offense balanced, and keep pushing forward. And the three guys at the top of the draft that fit that profile, Jenna, are Alabama's Najee Harris, Clemson's Travis Etienne, and of course, North Carolina's Javante Williams. To me, Najee Harris is the clear above number one guy. You get him, he's a starter on day one. He could take them from being where they were dead last in the rushing in the NFL and rushing last year. He could take them right to being right in the middle of the league ne- next season. And I know some people are saying, well, what about the offensive line? Something I did, I was doing research when I was looking at B.J. Finney, the, the center that they brought back in free agency as well this, this year. When B.J. Finney has started for the Steelers, they, 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 they're one, they're 11 and two. So he doesn't decimate you in one thing. But another thing, they average 125 yards on the ground over the four years that he, that he was in the games that he started. In those games, when Le'Veon Bell was the running back, they averaged 176 yards on the ground. When Le'Veon Bell wasn't the running back, Average 96 yards on the ground. That's an 80 yards difference simply by a primary running back being there, which again is if you get one of those three guys and those are the three guys are definite primary running backs in this class, that changes everything for you. And Jenna, we saw late last year when the Steelers running game kind of went away, they averaged 130 yards on the ground through seven games. And then they became one of the worst, they became the worst running team in the NFL as the season went on. Ben Roethlisberger had to throw the ball too much. And that led to him throwing interceptions, and that led to their crumbling in the, in the last five or six games of their season. And you and I have talked about this pretty much at length, but just the fact that a running game, that balanced offense, that two-way offense is just so crucial. If you do want to have success and want to sustain success, especially, again, too, if this does end up being Ben Roethlisberger's last season, you don't want him throwing the ball 52 times in a game. You don't want that. That can't happen. So with these guys knowing that they can come in and make an immediate impact on this offense, that they can jump right into the system, obviously, you know, as a rookie learning and things along those lines, but they are NFL ready to this point. I know you mentioned Najee Harris. Is he kind of pretty much the one I personally, I know that everybody has their eyes on, but um, for fans that might not be entirely as in tune is he that guy that the Steelers should get? And is there a realistic sense that the Steelers will get him, that he will be available when the Steelers draft at 24? To first answer your question, yes, he's the guy. 
I mean, I know some people are going to say, well, he went behind Alabama's line. Okay, go look at some of the runs that he had. This guy displayed excellent vision, cutting back against defenses. Even when the Alabama's offensive line would lose battles and give up and give up guys getting in the backfield, he'd find a way to get extra yards. He's hurdled six foot one defenders. He's juked around people. He's broken away. Now, he, is he a speed back? No, that's the one thing he lacks is the home run speed that a Travis ATM would give you. But he is better in the box, outside the box, working, and he catches the football. You know, one thing that he also said, you know, uh, on the Adam Schefter podcast just last week, he said, you know, the coolest people that I met with was Mike Tomlin and the Steelers because he liked the way that they approached the draft process, the way they asked him questions, and he said that made him exci- excited for them. Now, is it realistic for him to fall to the Steelers? I give it a 50-50 chance because here's the thing. The Dolphins are sitting there at the 18th pick in the draft. They have a pick at, at number 12 as well. They're going to be a team – actually, they might be earlier, but they're going to be a team that's going to have two first-round picks before Najee Harris comes up, and they need a running back. So it's very possible that he gets picked by them, and that takes him off the board. But still, Travis Etienne of Clemson, heck of a player, been a playmaker. Had he come out in last year's NFL draft, might have been the first running back off the board, probably would have been the first running back off the board. So he's still a playmaker. And Javante Williams, he's a guy who reminds me a lot of the Browns' Nick Chubb. And if you saw what he did to the Steelers in the playoffs, you know what that means. So getting any of them would work. But Najee Harris, the character that he brings, the leadership that he brings, the, the, the running talent and the vision that he brings – stellar all across the board would be a home run pick in the first round at 24 for the Steelers. Well, we are excited to see what's coming in just a couple weeks. And right when we come back, we will hear about what's going on at DKPittsburghSports.com. Stick with us. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Chris, I have to ask, I know you guys are working tirelessly over there at DKPittsburghSports.com. Lots happening. What are you guys working on right now that people should be excited about? Well, one thing you can get all the time right now, Dale Wall and I are cranking out draft articles left and right. You can also listen to our NFL Draft podcast every weekend and our Steelers podcast every Wednesday. But one thing that you get from us, Dale's cranking out mock drafts every Saturday. I just had a new one come, come up today. You want to see where I rank different players. You want to see how we evaluate these guys and, and, and put them against each other. Go to DKPittsburghSports.com. Check us out right there. And, of course, as the Penguins make this playoff push, we've got Dayon. We've got Dave Molinari. We've got Taylor Haas. Everybody's on it. They're pushing it. The trade deadline, they did an amazing job covering that. And we've got Gerard Gilberto and Alex J. Stump covering the Pirates going through this year and getting fans back in PNC Park. Amazing stuff, as always. Check us out at DKPittsburghSports.com. A surefire team of all-stars. We love having you, and we love having you with us on Halftime Adjustments. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody.